0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today has what is known as Chiari malformations, which are structural defects in the cerebellum, the part of the brain that controls balance. It occurs in one in every 1,000 births. And some of the problems associated with Chiari malformations include headaches, difficulty focusing, difficulty swallowing, and a whole host of other problems, too many to mention. That's really a cursory overview. Needless to say, it's a serious issue. Joining us from Michigan to talk about her use of cannabis for her Chiari malformations is Marjean Kelly. Marjean, how did I do with the description?
1: Oh, very good. <laughs> yep, and very good. And there's, there's too many symptoms the list. That's the truth. Yeah. How do
0: you describe it to other people when they ask?
1: Um Okay, well, it's been four years. I'm, I'm decompressed now, so which is uh, a brain surgery that y- you can have. Um, not always successful for most, but it was for me. What is decompressed? Uh, it's where they uh, open you up at the base of your skull, and then they go in and they... I'm going to explain this correctly, so let me think about it. They um, open my skull, but then they went through the dura, right into, they went right in and they t- that piece of skull doesn't go back and what they do is I believe they cauterized my brain, the cerebellum tonsils a little bit back and brought my gave me more room in there so they brought my brain stem back up because my brain stem slipped through my form magnum down into my spine is what basically happens and it plugs you off so your cerebellum fluid don't flow so, you have no protection around your spine or your brain. It starts building up pressure. Um, so, well that's what they went in. They went in and relieved the pressure. According to my surgeon, when they opened me up, my fluid squirted everywhere because it was that backed up. So, it was quite the nightmare. <laughs> um, when I woke up, I uh, I don't remember anything. I came home, I was so. Anesthesia out, I guess I would say, and medicated out because they, you know, figured I was going to be in a heck of a lot of pain. So they were keeping me comfortable, and I don't remember anything. I came home for twelve hours. I ended up being ambulanced back to one hospital, and then medevac back to U of M, where I was then on an intubator. I was, you know, tubed, and uh, I woke up with uh, tubes in my throat to find out that I had already been home and then back again. So that's another thing that with Chiari, um, some people form other problems where medication pool in their liver. I I absolutely could not take medication prior to surgery. I had adverse reactions to everything they gave me, basically. That's the things that I would take because a lot of things I refused to take because for seven years I had no diagnosis. I'm not taking something when you don't know what's wrong with me. So that was my big thing. I'm a fighter, I battle everything someone says to me if it don't sound right I don't I won't fall for it. So that was in November 30th of 2012 and for the past 4 years I've done actually good other like I said others they don't do as well but that's I think because there's not enough knowledge out there about curry either with the surgery and everything, you know. It's right right down to surgeons I guess I would try to say not to offend anybody but you have to know what you're doing
0: Margine, what sort of symptoms were you experiencing
1: oh oh god um i was my headaches felt like at my my brain i knew they were in my brainstem. i knew whatever my problem was i knew it was my brainstem. stem that's all i can remember as far as like but i would go to the floor i call them floor attacks um then I, when I went to the doctor and found out actually what I had, they also, that that's exactly how a Chiari person explains it. They call them floor attacks. So I was pretty on everything. I just didn't have a name for what I was going through. But it was bad. It was, if I ate, I was choking. I've had problems choking my whole life. So, like, you're born with this. It just got worse after a head injury in 2010. And then, uh, yeah, they were just, it's horrible. You can't, you're fatigued, you're... You just, you can't, no balance. I mean, I was literally, to walk through a doorway, I had to walk a foot one way because I was going to, you know, I always ran into doors because my ba- my gait was always off. I'd uh, walk in the house and my ankles would give out and I'd hit the floor. You start losing your ability, like your nervous system is completely compromised. So you can stop walking eventually.
0: Was that the that, way, Was that the way you were all of your life?
1: Not all my life. It it got, like, got so much worse after I hit my head in Florida in 2010. I had an ordeal out there, which is a whole nother ballpark of stories. But anyway, yeah, so I was assaulted, not, not purposely assaulted, but picked up in my uncle's establishment, and the guy slipped and dropped me, and I smacked my head on an ATM machine, and then that sent my symptoms into a whole different realm when I came back home after my brain had been shifted in Florida, I went back to the doctors and then that's when they were willing to admit like I had a Chiari all along, but nobody ever told me. But when I pulled my MRIs and all that other stuff, they were very suspicious of it prior, but never mentioned it to me. So that was another thing that I had to overcome was the anger that nobody gave me even a rope to hang on to because this, this can make you Feel so insane, this disease, because everyone, your whole life, you're going to be told you're a hypochondriac because they can't pinpoint what it is. You know, until, I don't know, until you just get the right doctor, I guess. I mean, that's what it was for me. I finally had somebody who gave me a little bit more time, which was Dr. Sager at U of M. We actually did get off at the wrong foot because I went away for a year and didn't come back to him for, you know, over a year. And he was like, okay, well, now I got your CSF, your cerebral flow study, and your fluid is not moving at all. So that that means surgery. And that's when we set up the surgery for November 30th of 2012. I've had a lot of uh, doctors tell me I need to go see a psychiatrist, quite a few. I've, I've always known it's been something more medical. It's not like was never a bad kid i just couldn't learn and you know parents think that you're being lazy it's it's went on my whole life that type of stuff i've had trouble sleeping at a young age there's been pain in my legs at a young age and that's all associated with it cold and hot tolerance walking to school at a young age i i would feel like my bones were just gonna break in two because i couldn't handle cold you know and that was a battle between me and my parents you know they didn't think I wanted to go to school, you know, but it was nothing like that. It was I was truly in pain a lot in my life and had problems. You know, you just kind of learned uh, mind over matter, you know. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, bull crap, but when you've dealt with it for so long, it ends up getting shoved down to the back of your brain where you just kind of go on and learn how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, well, it really was in your head. Uh, <laughs> it
1: really, yeah, it really right? was. The funny part about it is my mom would, she would, you know, she would get like, at times she'd go, you know, I really do think there is something wrong with her, you know what I mean? Like, and I look at her like with a little bit of hope going, yeah, there really is, you know what I mean? And, but she still didn't understand, you know, like there was something definitely going wrong, you know, like all along since day one. You know, I was born pretty sick child. I had tonsillitis a lot. I had uh, bronchitis a lot. Just different things that all now are associated with it. I'm reading now that they're associating Chiari with uh, SIDS, sudden uh, infant death syndrome. Interesting. Well, I know yeah. you know, the, some of the things that when you sent us your little bio there, you've got like hypothyroid, fibromyalgia, yeah. Yeah. neuropathy, anxiety, ADHD, Autoimmune. PTSD. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, quite a smorgasbord. Well, the PTSD has a lot to do with. Um me finding out that I was basically listening to my body and my body was telling me the truth and I had everybody else telling me to go against it. So the PTSD is more like a social PTSD where I just don't trust people. I don't expect, not that I don't trust them. I just don't expect them to understand. So I, I tend to stay away from people now when that's not how I was. I was this partier, social butterfly Everything, you know what I mean? That was the only times my life seemed fun was when I was drinking and being stupid. But it was wrecking my life, and if I wanted to overcome this, I had to walk away from all that and tough it up. And I, that's what I did. Basically, in 2000, I I completely quit drinking for nine years. And uh, the the whole time that I was drinking, though, I wasn't smoking medical or cannabis at all. And my I grew up smoking it, and my life was fine during those times. And then when I quit after my kids were born. Because of you know the hype and the you know what they brainwashed you to believe, I basically put everybody down for smoking. I feel like the biggest hypocrite sometimes today because I was so hard on everybody about it when I end up with four DUIs because I, the drinking got out of control because of my illness. You know, trying to cover up pain and and just misunderstanding all around. You know, that's where the PTSD comes in because I had a lot of people give up on me and I was even giving up on myself at one point.
0: Margina, I'm wondering if, because of your symptoms, the, the doctors couldn't diagnose or refuse to diagnose. I'm wondering if they ever thought of putting you on psychiatric medication.
1: Oh, they did. <laughs> oh, they, oh did. they did. Okay. Yeah, they did. I'm, I'll tell you right now. I'll be the first one to tell you. I'm crazy, but it's I'm crazy when it comes to being truthful. So my attitude comes out when I catch people trying to sell someone some bull crap, you know, then, then I'm, I want to battle with you, you know, like, no, uh uh-uh. does that make, and then I'll even ask some people like, does that make any common sense to you? And they'll be like, no. I said, then don't listen to it. I'm the first one to jump up and debunk prescription pills. I'm the first one to open my mouth. That's what scares me about. And I don't want to offend anybody in the chiari ki- world, but I I can tell that I'm better because I'm not on any medication. These girls come out of these surgeries, and some of them are still taking medication five, six, seven years later. Why? Like, if it worked or they did that properly, why are you still on narcotics? What kind of medications were you on? Oh, they, they tried to put me on seizure medications, Topamax. Uh, I had Depakote infusions. I had... Um, I had pain blocks in my neck, in my arms. I had, I mean, when this first started, they were shooting me up in my wrist. They were shooting me up in my neck. Two shots, one each hand, um, and then one in each side of my neck. I had, I can't remember the exact, they tried to put me on Seroquel, which if any one of you have ever tried Seroquel, it's the worst drug in the whole entire world. I tried one capsule that whole night. I couldn't even, I felt like if somebody walked in my house, they could have had their way with me and I would have been very coherent but i wouldn't have been able to defend myself that scared me because i'm one that i like i said i'll say it till the end of this interview i'm a fighter you know and if someone would have walked in my house and i couldn't fight that would have destroyed me for my life you know like if i couldn't have fought for my life that would have destroyed me it leaves these drugs leave women especially women vulnerable men too you know like anything can happen to them and something like that and the dosage they gave me for at the time I was less than 100 pounds was insane it was like i forget like 500 milligrams of cerquel who gives a, a 95 pound girl that kind of medication
0: how old were you at the time
1: <laughs> i was pro- this was probably when it first started which now that's going on 10 11 years 2005 maybe 2006 era right there
0: so you were only 95 pounds
1: yeah, I'm, and since I've been sick, I gained. I'm about 142 now. Yeah, I've always been tiny. It's another thing. I had, I, I mean, if you walked up behind me, you couldn't tell if I it was my 12 year old daughter or me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've had people approach me thinking I was my daughter, and you know, boys, and I'm like, oh, you better turn around, go home, buddy. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> tell us how cannabis entered the picture.
1: I've always smoked just so happens that i had a bunch of boys that grew up next door to me and you know they always had the the doobies and we would go smoke and sneak and first time i smoked it put me right to sleep and i i never slept i remember this i i slept better than i ever did in my life up to that point My girlfriends, I woke up that day, they're teasing me, oh, your mom drove by, she's seen us, you know, I'm like, oh, God. Anyways, long story short, I just, I've been a smoker. I just quit for that period of time when I had children because I thought, you know, they're going to take my kids away, I better get on on board with the mother thing, you know. And then, uh, like I said, the drinking picked up, but cannabis oil was um, in 2010-ish, my dad was... A little bit after 2010, I think we started, my dad was getting really sick. He's always been sick, 30 years, and they found out it was cancer in his kidneys. So I started talking to the, at the time, my caregiver then, and he's he was eating oil left and right before I even heard of Rick Simpson anything like that. And he's like, you got it, you know, and I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, just kept, then my dad got sick and I'm like, what about this oil, you know, and, I started trying to give it to my dad and I'm eating it off my fingers, you know, like it'd get on my finger and I'd start eating it. And that's basically how I, you know, just dosing my dad, making his capsules, like any overspill, anything that was coming out of the syringe before I capped it, I would put it in my mouth. And I just started bouncing out of bed. Like two days later, I, I couldn't get up in the morning. And, and right now I'm taking oil for the last few days again, because I've been having issues with my thyroid and I'm waking up better. I'm actually falling asleep better. Um, it just changes me, completely changes me. So I, when I found out that, I started researching it. That's when I found Corey and Janet and Tim. And I've been talking to Corey and Tim and Janet for over, I want to say a good four years now. And then I send people their way because I don't know much about it. I have a problem, like, reading and learning still. I have, a like, a learning block a little bit. So... It's easier for me to like watch their videos and learn that way than it is to read things. So I'm always video surfing. But that's what we do. My husband makes it for me. I'm a I'm actually a caregiver here in Michigan now. And uh and it's just for him and I. He has bad knees from roofing and uh bad back and then uh me with the chiari. So we have our little own little system, you know, where we If we have any overages, we donate it to cancer patients.
0: So you really got into this by accident, by trying to help out your dad. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, it started out recreational, which, hey, you know, I didn't get in a car and just about kill a family of four, you know, smoking weed. But it happened to my neighbor, four of the kids that her and her kid and three other kids were ran over by a drunk driver. We lost four kids. You ain't going to do this smoking weed. There's no way. You know what I mean? There's no way. But if you get into drinking that alcohol or that prescription pills, my brother wound up in someone else's driveway with his car and gear. You know, like th- this is the- that's where the danger is. And they want to keep us from the plant. Come on. I- it just makes no Yeah, it was total by fluke, the oil. Yeah, Don- totally by fluke. I thought my caregiver was just, you know, really high that day when he was, (laughs) I'm like, you guys, come on, you know, but I always did believe that there was a cure in cannabis. I just didn't know how I heard it when I was, my grandma was dying back in the seventies. I'm living in the apartment that she, the house I live in is my mom's. We have an apartment off the back that we built for my grandmother when she was alive. I grew up here my whole life. When we lost my dad, my brother, and my aunt all in a year and six days, so we moved back here. And it's just so weird because everything all is coming back together again. Just memories from the past, but I remember, I remember listening to this article when she—I I mean, this radio station when she was passing away. How uh, I could find the article? I found it before um, about how I forget who it was. Too It was a man, and he was saying how all the you know the Rothschilds and all the money people. Knew that there was a cure to cancer, and it was in marijuana, and that there was a patent on it. I heard about it way back when they made the patent here in the United States, when they put the patent on it.
0: Yeah, that was in the 70s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was probably about 12, I want to say maybe 8 to 12 years old when I first started hearing about cannabis. So I go way back. And the thing with me not being afraid of cannabis is because, this is another funny story, is my parents used to always take us to Florida before my dad was super sick. He tried to take us on a vacation each year, you know, the typical family. I walked out at their friend's house one night, and they're all crowded up around a circle, you know, and they're like, get back in the house, but I can smell it. So I'm like, ah, you know. 12, 13 years old, that's when I was about 6. 12, 13 years old, my friends are smoking. I'm like, oh, so that's what my parents are smoking. You <laughs> the light I mean? comes like, on. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: like,
1: you know, so I didn't think they're, you know, if my parents were doing it, it, it couldn't be too bad, you know, because my parents weren't druggies. They weren't alcoholics. They were, you know, 9 to 5, get to bed at 8, 9, 10 o'clock parents, you know. But they, when it was time to have fun, they had fun. You know, they were my dad collected old cars, and he used to go to the bars on Fridays after payday or paycheck and have a couple drinks. But he was home, you know, he raised his family. Yada yada yada.
0: How much oil do you take a day now?
1: I only I only do a maintenance dose, so I t- I'll do like uh, I take toothpicks and I put it on the end of the toothpick. I just stick it under my tongue. So maybe like rice grain twice a day. I'll put it in my tea at night. Like I'll make a cup of tea, decaf tea. And I just put, like, maybe a rice-size amount, a little more if I want, you know, like, to go to sleep quicker. Because it does get me a little tired still. It doesn't affect me like everybody else, like a newcomer. You know, a newcomer would get blasted probably on what I take. But not even, I would say maybe a quarter of a gram uh, each, each time. You know, like, if I do it twice a day, it might be a half gram. I've never had to get to a full gram. I'm thinking about getting on a protocol. I was telling... Corey, I was looking for one for my thyroid. I want to get that calmed down again and try to get it with, to where I don't have to take the Synthroid no more. I think that Synthroid really messes with me. That's the only medication that I am on today at all.
0: What, is, do, you, what do your doctors say about that?
1: My doctor actually just really upset me. I, won't, I can't even go back to him right now. I was having some stomach issues. Mind you, I went into liver failure after my surgery and um in 2012 so i went into liver failure and i've had problems with my liver i've been back and i've you know it's it's healing but it's it's got fatty liver disease is what i'm told and i've had some stomach issues well i've i've went in quite a few times and i get frustrated because he tries a a still some somewhat of him still has this well you're you're overreacting You know, I think you're just, you know, like, you know, over-dramatizing it a little bit. Let's just keep an eye on it, blah, blah, blah. Well, about the third time I went in, it started again in the fourth time, let's say, and I called the doctor and I got the nurse on the phone and I said, listen, something, I want to go see a gastrologist, whatever. I said, something is definitely going on with my stomach. Do you know she called me back and is... Exact words to her to tell me, maybe not exact, but her words to me were, he thinks you may be smoking too much medical marijuana, and that's causing your stomach issues. Oh, please. So that was it for me, Corey. I haven't been back to him since. I'm now currently looking for another doctor, and when I call them, I tell them exactly right off the bat why I'm looking for another doctor. And if you don't agree with my method and you can't help me keep an eye on my system, just keep an eye on my system. I don't want your pills. I don't I want the proper test. You know, I want the proper care. I want you to not just do an ultrasound on my stomach. It's time for a camera to go down my throat and check things. But because I was on state's insurance at the time was because I wasn't working, this is what you go through. They know the minute they walk in that room to see you that you're on state insurance. So this is the way you're treated. And I've been told that by nurses as well. Oh yeah, you gotta fight. You gotta and that's what I told them too. I said, listen, state insurance or not, you're still getting paid. It's not my problem they take forever to pay you. When they know that I know what I'm talking about, that's when they kind of step up and go, Hey, yeah, you can go to U of M. I didn't know I could go to U of M for five years. I thought I had to just deal with whatever surgeon could could take me because of my insurance. No, you have a choice.
0: Margina, Do are you, you? S- sorry? Uh, Margina, are you aware of any other Kiari patients who take medical cannabis?
1: This is another funny story. All these Kiari girls, when I joined the groups, they were all, "Oh no, it's not legal, so we can't allow you to even speak about it." Some I got banned from one Chiari group, and uh, for it, I'm like, "Freedom of speech! Why can't I speak about it? I ain't telling nobody to go break the law." You know what I mean? I I have not privately. And I, I shouldn't probably have just said that, but I've said, if it comes down to your life in the law, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? I've changed a lot of people's minds that you can ask. <laughs> and that's because I don't, I don't falter. I don't stop talking about it because somebody tries to fear mongle me. I don't do it because... So,
0: so Marguin, what is the future prognosis for you with your Chiari malformations?
1: Well, you don't ever want to say that I'm cured because there is no cure, but I guess, like, I don't know if you know, okay, Johnny Cash's daughter, Roseanne Cash, mm-hmm. she has Chiari, and she says she's cured, but a lot of people in the Chiari community get very offended by that because it's, there is no cure. But basically it's a remission, I guess, from surgery. But my prognosis is I'm okay right now. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they know. You know, what What if, I mean, other people had, had to go through other surgeries. I've been very lucky. I'm on my first one still. I'm doing great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, you know, nerve damage. My hands are tingly all the time. Cannabis helps with that. Uh, I, you know, I overdo it with my arms. My tendons and stuff are destroyed from probably my nervous system, my nerves all being, you know, compressed for so long. I'm not sure. There's just not a lot out there for you to say for sure. That's another, I guess, maybe another reason you kind of look crazy, you know, like you're trying to explain something you don't know how to explain. My prognosis is right now I'm okay. That's it. But there it, it probably will be one of the side effects or the other things that come along with it will probably be what. I die from, which is, you know, there's, you can have heart problems from it. You can, you organs, you know, there's a condition called EDS, which is Elner's Delano syndrome. And it's a collagen issue where your organs, even the tissue that holds your organs in place will give out and give way. And, you know, veins can tear and you can, there's just a lot. There's so much, it's hard to explain. I I mean, I really would like to do another show with you guys with, more chiari girls that have been going through this longer than me that have these other conditions because they could probably give you a lot more you know insight on it.
0: Well you um, had you had the operation to to yeah. remove the fluid. Does the fluid well, that, and, Does the fluid build back up again?
1: Not right not for me. Because I like I said, they they took out a piece of my skull. It's called a, um oh God I let me think of the name. It's where they, it's a dura, oh gosh, I can't think of the name. They Where they put a patch over, it's not, they don't put your skull back. They put a patch, so right now I have enough room in there, my fluid is flowing. But if for some reason, like, say I was in a car accident, or I had another head injury, that could be death for me. You know, there's no skull there no more, there's a soft spot, basically. It's in a position where I'm not. Unless I get a like a very hard impact, I'm fine, you know, like but if I was to smash my head again or so, I got to be very careful. I don't even like to get in a car because I'm afraid someone's going to rear end us, you know. So I don't get in cars often, you know.
0: So whereabouts kind of, in your head is it? Is it the very back of the
1: head? Very back at the top of your neck, like I had one of my vertebrae and part of my vertebrae removed. So one's gone and one's shaved. And then they, that may, they make room and then they open you up. It's basically, I can't show you because you're on radio, but it's basically on the underneath, you know, at the top of your spine, uh, where yeah. your spine goes in. So they make a bigger hole there one by one and then they patch it. They don't put the bone back. So that leaves more room for flow, for fluid to get through. Okay, a malformation of your skull, Mm -hmm. and what it does is it it compresses the cerebellum tensils into the... Brainstem, yeah, which will then force the brainstem down or sideways. That's another thing that people have to be careful. Of. There was a girl on a talk show, I want to say Katie curick show, that they kept saying she didn't have Kiari, she didn't have Kiari because it didn't go through her for magnum. Hers slipped sideways and plugged the complete, completely plugged the hole, was still up in her brain, but her brainstem went sideways. Now, I have a cousin that also had a brain aneurysm in his brainstem, that I do believe he had a carry. Nobody found it, and he's alive today, but it caused brain damage in his brain. You know, they found him just in time, and they saved him, and he's he's got, you know, effects, like, long-term. They will never go away. He's got brain damage because of it.
0: Marguine, what would life be like for you without cannabis?
1: Oh, God. I went 90 days without it because... I told you guys about my drinking past, and I lost my license, and it was, it was complete hell. <laughs> it was. I couldn't barely walk on my feet. All the pain came back in my nerves. Um, it, it it dulls the nerve pain that I, the nerve damage that I've suffered from being compressed for so long. And um, I eat, you know. Before, like I said, I was only ninety five pounds. I was a worry wart. I worried all the time. You can tell when I'm. Um, I told Corey, I'm a smoker mainly. I like to smoke. And I you can tell when my pain has risen. I don't notice it because, like I said, um, cannabis kind of dulls your nerves, you know, like the damaged nerves. It definitely, I will spike in smoking that day if I'm in, you know, like my hands are hurting right now. After I get off here with you guys, I'll probably smoke one, you know, and that will dull the senses in there. And, and then I'll be able to function for the rest of the day. If I if I'm real bad, I I kind of smoke off the chain because you don't get as much of the medical property by smoking. Mm-hmm. You have to smoke a lot to get the pain to calm down. Yeah. So me and my husband battle about that because you know he he's the one that cares helps me care for everything and he's like you just don't get it you know like what it what it takes to do this and blah 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 and I'm like yeah I do I'm out here with you <laughs> you know but.
0: Yeah, Margaine. It was uh, was good to talk to you. It's an interesting interesting situation, key area, transformations. Anything Anything you want to say in conclusion?
1: No, just don't give up. I mean, and fight for your life. I just feel so bad for people that are so brainwashed into believing that they have to just bow down and take a pill. You know, it's it just. I'm I'm trying to stop that. Someone dies every 19 minutes from prescription pills. How is that legal? You know, how is that legal? How is alcohol legal? You know, there's a woman or a man killing a family of four once a month. How How is that legal? And you're going to tell me? Well, Michigan don't tell us that. I'm fighting for my life right now. You're not telling me that I have to take something that's going to kill me even quicker. That's exactly what I think they, they do for population control in the United States. To be honest with you, but I might get in trouble for saying that too.
0: (laughs) Marguine, it was good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, enlightening us. Appreciate
1: it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thanks so much, Marguine. You're welcome, Corey. Take care. You guys have a great day. You
0: too. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website. Cannabishealthradio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis
1: podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.